Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. It's time for another Work Human Radio, and I am your host, Mike Wood. And I'm in a I am in a great mood. That is my co-host, Sarah Payne. Sarah, say hello to the wonderful listeners out there. Hi, listeners. So I am super happy because we are already at the end of January. And so that means hypothetically only two more months of winter. And Um, the countdown to work human. And the countdown to work human. I mean, at the moment, I'm more excited about the warmth coming back because my car wouldn't start yesterday. It was, I looked out and saw that it was no temperature outside. It was zero (laughs) degrees. So my car didn't start, but I got here into the office and... Ready to go for Work Human. We announced Viola Davis a couple of weeks ago, and we have some more kind of surprises in store. And we're kind of flushing out the main details of the event. Work Human Radio was going to be there. We're going to be in some sort of like glass futuristic cube. I'm very excited about it. But I do believe that some people for the Potential Project are going to be there. And you spoke to one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you may have seen Jacqueline and Rasmus present at a couple of Work Humans ago, but I spoke to Marissa Afton from Potential Project a couple weeks ago, and she's all about mindfulness, but she actually learned it from her dad a couple decades ago. Decades ago. So he could be a pioneer in mindfulness. He was a pioneer Um, back when mindfulness was really not a part of the discussion, especially from a corporate standpoint. So she shares some interesting perspectives growing up being exposed to mindfulness and how it can really benefit yourself as an individual, but then also your team. Oh, cool. Well, I look forward to listening to the interview and hopefully everybody else does too. And if you'd like to meet some people for the Potential Project, you should go to www.workhuman.com and register for the conference. We would love to see you there. I would love to see you there. I'll be there doing Work Human Radio. Sarah Payne will be there uh, live blogging, I believe, from the conference. So anyway, here's her interview with Marissa and we hope to see you at Work Human. So first, I just wanted to say it's great to have you on Work Human Radio, Marissa. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. You've been a mindfulness practitioner for more than 25 years, which is really impressive. And I'm curious what initially led you to mindfulness. Yeah. So I had the benefit of having a parent who practice mindfulness when I was a teenager, in fact, and my father was general counsel for an international mining and minerals corporation in the 70s and all through the 80s and beyond. And he was feeling a fair amount of stress and pressure from his day-to-day work and life and found that mindfulness was a practice that helped him with managing all of that. And so, The 1980s version of stress and pressure from him is probably a little different from what it would be like to be general counsel today in that role. But he did find that that was something at that time that he kind of had to do on his own and not in a workplace context. But it did help him a lot. And he shared the benefits of doing daily mindfulness training practices with me. At the time, early on in my teenage years, I wasn't sure because it did seem 
like my dad was the only person I knew who was really doing this. And it felt a little odd. He was Um, ahead of his time. (laughs) He was a bit ahead of his time, to be honest, which I benefited from because I got to a place in my life. And actually, it was when I got to college that I recognized that I probably needed some tools to help me with stress and pressure of just managing my workload in my college years. And that's when I really started. But again, it was also a little bit something that I just did individually for myself. And it kind of helped me in terms of managing my well-being and pressure and whatnot. But it wasn't anything that I shared. And it certainly wasn't anything that I kind of connected with my work life at that time. I'd say you're pretty lucky, though, to be exposed to mindfulness at a young age. I think it opens you up to benefits, whereas somebody else might need to be convinced. You know, if you were exposed early on, then you're more familiar with it. So in that time, how has the attitude about mindfulness changed in the corporate world? Yeah, well, my father is a little bit envious of how I can just kind of freely not only do mindfulness at work, but actually help organizations in their goals and bringing mindfulness into the workplace. And I mean, I think probably most of your audience is aware that mindfulness has really come squarely into our business reality today. So the attitude has changed. My father wouldn't need to be in the closet anymore about practicing mindfulness. And I think that the reason is really you know, multifold. On the one hand, work life has changed. I mean, yes, my father had stress and pressure 30 years ago, but that has just amped multifold since then. And if we're looking at workplaces today, I mean, there's not only stress and pressure, but there's constant distractions and there are multiple things that people need to focus on. And it's constantly complex, changing context. And People are looking for tools to help manage all of that. And I think that the other thing that has changed is the perception that mindfulness isn't just a soft skill and that it's not just a individual well-being tool, that it actually can be a performance tool that helps us have more of an edge because we become more focused and we can manage our attention better. And all of that helps with anything that we need in our work life, whether it's, you know, in the conversations that we're having in our communication and our teamwork and, you know, aligning with our goals and the strategic business objectives and many other things besides. So it's really great to see the change. And I just think that many people are benefiting from it and hopefully many more people will continue to benefit. So research from potential projects shows that the best leaders are three things, mindful, selfless and compassionate, but just to play devil's advocate, you know, can Mm -hmm. these traits really be improved upon? (laughs) Well, I mean, I certainly think so on an individual level, but in fact, you know, our research bears that out. And if you just look at it purely from the perspective of brain plasticity or neuroplasticity, and I know that there are a lot of really switched on people who come to work human and and listen to the podcast. And they probably all have an awareness of neuroplasticity, which is basically the brain's ability to change simply based on how we use it. So we like to 
talk about going to the mental gym, the same way you would go to a physical gym to train your body to adapt and be strong and fit in the way that utilizes your body best. And going to the mental gym just means how can we train our minds so that our minds are more calm, clear, and focused, more mindful, also more selfless and compassionate. And one of the things that we know from our research is when we're more mindful, then we tend to kind of recognize our own triggers and biases, which allows us to be more selfless and get out of our own way. So we can kind of let go of those ego trips that we can get caught up in. And then through that, we tend to engage in our relationships with more compassion. So it absolutely can be trained. And it's just really a matter of intention. It reminds me of something that another work human speaker, Cy Wakeman, talks about, which is toggling between mm-hmm. high self and low self. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like a strong mindfulness practice can toggle to your higher self. Absolutely. And I think one of the keys is in the word that we use, which is the practice. I mean, it's not something, you know, we all have highs and lows and we all have days when we're going to be more mindful. We're going to be more present. We're going to be more compassionate and other days when, you know, maybe not as much as we aspire to, but the practice means that we're always evolving and we're always aspiring to do something a little bit better. I think that's a great way to put it. So I'm sure most of our listeners are aware that, you know, global force comes from the recognition perspective that appreciating your employees brings out the best in them. And potential project is all about mindfulness, what we've been talking Mm -hmm. about. What do you see as the links there as far as bringing about better employee well-being? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you said it best when you said recognizing people brings out the best in them. And what we know from just a lots and lots of studies on the topic of when people are recognized, then they feel valued. And when people feel valued and they feel like a sense of belonging because we're all social beings, and if we feel that we belong, we're more motivated to stay committed and to stay dedicated to a cause, to the global objectives and goals. And when we feel that sense of value and when we feel that we have a sense of belongingness, it's going to impact our well-being just naturally. And the same thing is true when it comes to mindfulness. I mean, when, again, many, many studies out there that show the direct links between being more mindful, which allows us to be more clear and calm and lower our stress levels, well, that also enhances our well-being. So I think, again, also with employee recognition, when we're more mindful individually, we're more likely to recognize what people are doing and share that value that we see in them to them. And that just kind of has a lot of knock-on effects that help everyone. Yeah, I think there are a lot of links there. Even when you're recognizing somebody, you are being more mindful of what other people are doing to help you and make your work life easier. So I think there's a lot of positive reinforcement there. Absolutely. And I think it really, it spreads too, because as we know about mirror neurons, right? When I'm seeing somebody else who is getting a benefit from being recognized, it helps the person who's giving the recognition, it helps the person who's being recognized, and it helps the person who's observing that. And it, again, it just 
kind of has a cascading effect that everybody can benefit from. So I think, well, I'm guessing that one of the barriers or obstacles you have to face with people is that they don't have time for mindfulness. They don't have time to go sit and meditate for an hour every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not necessarily what you mean when you say mindfulness, but so to talk to those people, what's one easy way to just instantly become more present at work? Yeah. And, you know, to your point, we also wouldn't expect people to suddenly go from zero to trying to practice for an entire hour. It's just not realistic and it probably won't fit into your day very easily. So when we're offering people the opportunity to start engaging in a mindfulness practice, we look for small, quick wins. And one of the things, if if we just are asking people to think about how they can increase their presence, well, one thing is to help yourself by not allowing yourself to be constantly distracted. And that can be something as simple as just turning off all the notifications that are constantly pinging us and vying for our attention, but may not be the thing that we need to truly be paying attention to in that moment. So even whether it's turning off the pop-up from your email, from your Outlook, or all of the different notifications that come up on our phones throughout the day, just allowing ourselves the opportunity to focus on what we need to focus on in any given moment of time can really help enhance our presence and our mindfulness. That's something that I really try to stick to, especially when I'm trying to do some deep thinking or writing. It's nearly impossible to do when I have all my notifications on. Yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah. So something I was thinking about when I was preparing for our conversation is performance management and how everybody is talking about the importance of continuous conversations about Mm -hmm. performance. And I think mindfulness and compassion is really important in this area because just having performance conversations without that can be Mm -hmm. leave both sides feeling like not a lot of progress is being made. So How can we bring more mindfulness and compassion into those discussions? Yeah, well, I think, as I said earlier, number one is just to have the intention that the conversation, yes, it might be a tough conversation. I mean, performance conversations are going to naturally entail a fair amount of feedback that hopefully helps people feel motivated to grow. But if they just feel like it's a space where they're going to be criticized, their brains are automatically going to shut down and they actually won't be that open to hear the message. So I think when we're engaging in these conversations, we have the intention to come to the conversation with more mindful presence and with compassion, then we're halfway there because it's going to change the nature of how we communicate the message. But also people can do like very practically, a mindfulness exercise for themselves before they engage in the conversation. So they can do some mindfulness practice or they can do a compassion training. And there are lots of different compassion trainings out there that people can research and try out for themselves. And of course, we have some compassion exercises in our book, In the Mind of the Leader. We also have an app which can lead people through both mindfulness and compassion training exercises. But I think if we do this individually, you know, if we're doing a mindfulness activity beforehand, we will be more focused and more present, which makes us more open to the other person and listening to what their perspective is rather than just feeding our perspective. 
And then with the compassion training, it really can be something as simple as going in with the question in our own mind ahead of time of simply, how can I be a benefit? Because again, a performance discussion really isn't just about how the other person needs to change, but it's how can I help enable that change? How can I support them? And what do they need from me as the leader in that conversation? So that can really change the dynamic a lot. I think that's great advice. That's something I always try to have in the back of my mind is how can I help this person? Even when I'm feeling aggravated about a situation, I think that always puts Puts it in the right perspective so you're in the right mindset. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, at the end of the day, kindness is key. We can have performance discussions that, and I think people, they get nervous about performance discussions because they're afraid of hurting people. And then they shy away from actually being fully present and doing it with kindness. And if we remember at the end of the day that, you know, a performance discussion can actually be mutually beneficial. If we do it with compassion and with mindfulness, it can change the entire experience. Well, I think that's something that we can leave our listeners to noodle on. I really appreciate the conversation, Marissa. Thank you so much, Sarah. I have as well. And thank you for this opportunity to connect on this great topic. And we will see you at Work Human in March. This is the fourth year that Potential Project will be speaking. Yes, we're very excited. Think of it as our annual tradition now. We'll see you in Nashville. Thanks, Marissa. Thank you, Sarah. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human March 18th through the 21st in Nashville. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2019.